What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us in the second week of our series called Thrive. Can you say thrive? Today, I want to focus on the power of habits. But first, I want to give a shout out to those of you who are watching from our San Jose campus, along with those of you who are watching on our various social media platforms across the country and across the world. I'm just excited, delighted to have you with us now. Most of you are watching and engaging with me on a Sunday, but there are a number of you who will be watching this later on this week or maybe a little further in the future. I'm going to give an invitation at the very end of this message, and whenever you're watching this, between now and Easter, my prayer is that you're going to say yes. All right, let's practice it together. Can you say yes? Yes. All right, let's jump into our reading. It's Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 3. Here's what the writer says. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all of the administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, this plan by the king caused Daniel's colleagues to get jealous, and they hatched up a plan to undercut Daniel. But he was so competent in all of his various ways of serving, the only place they figured out they could trip him up was with his faith. So they convinced the king to set aside 30 days where people could pray to no other person, no other God, except for venerate the king. The king signed the law into existence. And then verse 10 opens with this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as He had always done, giving thanks to his God. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this day, this moment. Now move supernaturally over me and everyone who's listening. In your name, Jesus, we pray. I pray. Amen. All right, guys, if you were with us last week, you know that we kicked off this series talking about thriving. And I told you that a word that you could interchange with the word thriving is flourishing because There's a whole body of learning that has developed around this notion of flourishing. There's a a school of academic thought. There's a huge section in what is called positive psychology. Everybody is asking the question, uh, what does it look like for you and for me to have thriving, flourishing lives? And so that is the question that I'm challenging you to wrestle with over the course of this series. Simply this, how do we live a thriving and flourishing life? life. Now, what is remarkable, what social scientists is beginning to engage with and work with, at least over the last 15 years, the Bible has been grappling with and teaching us the answers to this question uh, for countless of centuries almost, how to live lives that thrives. Last week, I told you the Bible reveals to us that one of the secrets to a thriving, flourishing life is imagine. It's found and hidden in the gift of imagination. This week, I want to suggest to you that the Bible reveals to us that another secret to living a flourishing life, and social sciences would agree with this, a thriving life is found in the word habits. Now, some people don't like the word habits. They prefer practices or life practices. So, you know, we're going to use those words interchangeably today. I say habits. You say practices. Habits. 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 
practices. That's exactly right. Now, here's the insight that I really want you to tuck away in your heart. Habits, whether good or bad, check it out, will change your life for better or for worse. But it will change your life. Why? Because habits are powerful. Habits are powerful. You know, I want to recommend a book to you, uh, and it picks up on this notion that habits, whether you have good habits or bad habits, they're powerful. The title of the book uh, is simply called Atomic Habits, written by Mr. James Clear. I commend this book to you. The actual larger extended title of the book is Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, An Easy, Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. Oh, I commend this book to you because habits, my friend, are powerful. Can you say PF40? PF40. Next week, Wednesday, March 1st, we here at NBCC, whether you are in the local barrier or part of our uh, congregation across the country, across the world, we're launching a season of prayer and fasting for 40 days, joining with Jesus on his journey towards, towards crucifixion and resurrection which we celebrate on Easter Sunday morning. And I want to invite you to join in that. Even if this is your first time uh, hearing me speak or interacting with us as a church, I pray that you'll be so inspired at the end of this message that you'll say yes to my invitation to join with us. Now, uh, here's a couple of things for you to keep in mind. If you're watching us from the San Jose campus, you've already been given a physical PF40 card, prayer and fasting for 40 days card. Uh, that card has been replicated on our website and in our uh, NBCC app. On the card, you'll find a couple of things. One, a clear description of prayer and fasting, how to engage with it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we move further in this message. Secondly, you're going to find five blanks wherein you can write the names of five people that you are believing God to do greater in their lives. Now, let me just pause for a moment. I'm challenging you to engage in this season of prayer and fasting by, check it out, removing the limits that you have placed on God in your own mind. I want you to believe God for greater, a greater encounter, a greater move in your life as it aligns with his will to turn improbability in the possibility. So, five names I want you to write down that you're believing God to do greater in their lives, and you're going to be praying for them over the course of the next 40 days, starting next Wednesday. A few weeks ago, we had an amazing baptism, baptized 16 people. One of the persons that were baptized about a year ago this time, they were going through incredible life challenges. Their friend wrote their name on the list and prayed that God would do greater in their lives. Their friend took a few moments to give God praise at the baptism and noted that she had prayed for God to do greater. And here her friend was, not only being baptized, but having God brought her through some major difficulties and brought her out. That can be a testimony of somebody that you love, that you want to do, see God do greater in their lives. And then there's another section where you say you can be specific about how you want to see God move greater in your life. So check it out in our app, on our webpage, uh, and get ready to engage. Now, I'm going to return to this uh, a little bit later as we move forward.
But another reason why I'm talking about PF40 today is because one of the things that you're going to be learning in PF40 are habits, the power of habits. And as we move forward, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to widen our lens a little bit as we teach for the rest of the day. And we're going to be talking about basically your foundational habits that you're building your life. And then we're going to narrow the lens and talk about uh, what it looks like to execute PF40 in your life over the course of the next 40 days. Narrow and wide. So let me just take a moment, widen the lens. Let's return to our text. Chapter 6 of Daniel begins by identifying Darius the king, the ruler of the Medes and Persian Empire. And he takes his empire, divides it up into 120 providences, and he identifies 120 key leaders to be in charge of each providence. Then he identifies three people who kind of occupies the position of what I would call his senior vice presidents. And they were in charge of all the other 120 uh, leaders of those various provinces. And these three leaders reported directly to the king, and one of them was a man called Daniel. Now, listen to what the text says about Daniel after the king watched Daniel uh, perform his duties and responsibility in this quote-unquote senior vice president uh, role. Here's what the text says. Daniel soon proved to himself, meaning to the king, more Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officials. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king plans to place him over the entire empire. King made plans to do just that. The writer of this text wants you to understand that there was a habit. Can you say habit? A habit or a life practice that was key to Daniel's flourishing life. And that habit is found in verse 3. He prayed three times a day. In other words, we find Daniel in this text, come on now, second, ultimately going to be second to the king of the Medes and Persian Empire. He's a great man of political power. He, is an, he has enormous social influence. He is remarkably economically are stable, all the things that people want today's life. His life was flourishing. You might, would, you might summarize it by simply saying this, that Daniel had influence with people and influence with God. Praise God. That's where you want to be. If you want to talk about a flourishing life, that's the ultimate place, the sweet spot, really. Influence with God and influence with people. And yet all of this had to do with a habit, a foundational habit, a habit that he built his life around. It was the habit of prayer. Here's what William Durant, the, uh, the late historian, once said about the power of habits in our lives. We are what we repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. I am what I repeatedly do. Now listen, this is the point that the Bible has been teaching forever and ever. The Bible says, listen, if you want to flourish, if you want to thrive, you need to pay attention to your habits. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs 22 says uh, here at verse 24. Here's what he says. Don't make friends with people who have hot, violent tempers. You know why? <laughs> you might learn there, say the word with me, habits and not be able to change. And then, of course, Jesus models 
uh, what was a life practice or habit that was at the very foundation of his earthly life. Uh, listen to what uh, Luke, how Luke describes Jesus. He says, but Jesus often withdrew. There's the word for habit right there. The regular life practice. There it is. Often withdrew to the wilderness to do what? To pray. That was the center of his habit. Now, what we learn from Jesus and also from looking at Daniel is that if you want to be effective at the habit of prayer, you've got to have a designated place, a place that you return to on a regular basis, a designated time, you know, a scheduled time that you're engaged in it. And then Daniel also teaches us that it's helpful to have a practice, if you will. Now, listen, let's see it in, chapter, in verse 10. Here's what it says. Daniel, after he learned about the law, check it out, he went home and knelt down, here's the key word, as usual in his upstairs room. That was his designated place for prayer, upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem. That was his practice. And he prayed three times a day. He scheduled it, a designated time. He prayed three times a day. Watch this just as he had always done. That was his designated time and practice. Wow. Now, so here is the basic question. That's Daniel's foundational practice. What's yours? What are the practices that you have built your life around? I want you to go home and really challenge yourself with that question. Figure out, write out, what are those practices, either good or bad, that you have built your life around? This question was asked to three history makers and pace setters uh, uh, in contemporary time. All three of them are unique residents of the local Bay Area. Uh, they were asked this question, what are three fundamental practices or habits that you've built your success on? The first person that we asked, that this question was asked to, is Mr. Patrick Gelsinger. He is the CEO of the company Intel. He says he had three practices. Here's his first. Keep the most important thing, the most important thing. He writes, every day, one should be ruthless with time and priorities. What's your goal for each day? What's your goal for each meeting? What's your goal, etc.? Then, using your time and resources, make sure that they align with those goals and priorities. He says he practices that every day. It's key to his success. Secondly, relationship triumphs results. He says, without results, nothing matters. But if in achieving results in whatever context, at work or at home, you trample your interpersonal relationships in the process, the results will not be sustainable over time. While you might have temporary victory, uh, Mr. Gelsinger writes, in the end, you, in the end, uh, those you trample will conspire and rise up to undermine the very results that you achieve. It all begins and ends with relationships. And the third practice that has been at the center of a flourishing life for him. Character is everything. Here's what he writes. People trust in people who have character that they can trust. If you want to really annoy me, he wrote, question my integrity. I'll make mistakes. I'll regret decisions. But every day 
I'm true to my character, my family, and my God. Honorable Selena Brown was one of the youngest people ever appointed to the Superior Court here in Santa Clara. When she was asked about the three practices that she's built her life of success on, she named number one, imagination. She says, for as long as I can remember, I've had a vivid imagination. As a little girl, she wrote, when my sisters and cousins would play house, I would play business. I would dress up like my, I would dress up and carry my dad's briefcase around. She said, I imagined that I was an attorney for decades before I became one. And then uh, I began to imagine what it would look like and feel like to sit in the judge's chair and make decisions. And then she became that judge. Every night for at least five minutes, she writes, I imagine what I want my life to look like. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it changes your mood immediately. The second habit that she's built her career and her life around is meditation, another form of prayer. In the past 10 years, she says, I've practiced meditation. I believe that when we pray, we're asking and praising, but we never get the space to receive. So when I meditate, I don't ask for anything. I don't even give thanks. I simply sit quietly for 10 or 15 minutes, and I listen for that still, small voice. And throughout the day, you know what? I receive answers and really great creative ideas. For me, meditation is like cleaning out my vessels to receive. And then the third practice she practices is gratitude. I start and end my day with gratitude, she writes. Gratitude immediately puts me in a good mood. No matter the situation, I try to find at least one thing I can be grateful for. The third person who was asked this question is an NBA superstar and champion. His name is Jeremy Lin. Jeremy says the three practices that are at the center of his success and flourishing life. Number one, quiet time with God. He says, leadership, success, chasing dreams, all of my life can be distraction away from what matters the most, a relationship with God. If I'm distracted, temptation can get in the way, and other things can pull me away from my focus on the relationship with God. What's key for him? Quiet time with God. Second, he says, he practiced love as you want to be loved. Amazing. He says each person has a ton of decisions to make every day, and especially when it comes to relational decisions, treating others as you want to be treated. That's his principle, to treat others as you want to be treated. That's his practice. He says whether you are a family member, spouse, employer, employee, student, teacher, spend at least a few moments trying to imagine yourself in that other person's shoes and what it's like. To love them. The third practice for him is intentional rest. Whether it's Sabbath, date night, blocked off vacation, meals with check, without checking the phone, etc. Rest is so important, he writes. Many of us are wired to go, go, go. But learning to rest is the only way to substantially go long term. And those are the practices that undergirds his success. All three of these incredible individuals are simply making one point. If you want to have a thriving, flourishing life, you've got to pay attention to your habits. 
You've got to pay attention to those practices upon which your life is built on. So I ask you again, what are the foundational practices that your life is built upon? For Daniel, the answer to that question was prayer. Now, let me just remind you, most of us, many of us from various times, we focus on our mental health and our intellectual capacity and our biology and physical fitness, and yet we lose sight of an incredible real dimension that is the spiritual dimension. That is the invisible dimension where God seeks to access our lives. And when we engage the spiritual dimension, this is Daniel. Check it out. And you heard it in the other people who I talked about just a few moments ago. When you engage that spiritual dimension, God impacts every other part of your life. So for Daniel, the cornerstone was prayer. So now I want to take just a few moments. Let's narrow the lens now. Let's go back to thinking a little bit about PF40. One of the reasons why I'm stressing and challenging you and inviting you to be a part of our PF40 starting next week is because as you participate, you're going to learn three explosive atomic spiritual habits that could become foundational practices in your life. Can you say, sign up for the email? Yes, I want you to sign up for the PF40 email. I'm going to send, if you sign up the day after this message, you're going to start receiving Wednesday, next week, every single day an email from me. And inside of that email from me, you're going to have uh, some scripture and prayer, and it's going to be designed for you to set aside five or ten minutes and connect with God. The first skill that you're going to learn as you journey with me and all the rest of us that's going to be engaged is what I call meditative reading of Scripture. So often we just race through Scripture. It's about how many verses we can read in the next 15 minutes or how many chapters we can read before we go to bed. But I want to teach you over the course of the next 40 days to slow down. And so as you engage with me day after day, I'm going to be showing you different ways to do it. Here's an example. Within the first two weeks of your uh, journeying with me and all of the rest of us who are engaged in PF40, you're going to come across this passage, Psalms 18 and 20. And here's what it says. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Then when I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. I take this passage and I slow it down and I, I walk you through the, through the revelation that I got over the course of three days looking at this passage. For me, the first thing that jumped out at me as I slowed down and read this passage was the notion, made my life complete. Then came the question, how? Complete is flourishing, thriving, right? How? And then it jumped out large. I placed all the pieces of my life before God. That's the key. And so the first day 
as we meditate on this passage together, I'm going to teach you how to subdivide your life up into segments and pieces, and you get to choose what those subdivisions look like. It may be your thought life and your finance life. It may be your love life and your children over here. Come on now. Uh, you get to decide what those subdivisions are, and I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you how to write them out and to lay them before God and simply say, without explanation, justification, excuse, just lay them before God and say, I'm laying the pieces of my life before you. And God, I want you to show me as I move through the day. Come on. What? I, I want to see what you see when you look at these pieces. And then the next couple of days, we're going we're gonna to deepen that exercise springing from this verse. Meditative scriptural reading. That's the skill you're going to get as you engage with us across 40 days. The second skill, practice, habit that we're going to teach it's found in the fact that I'm going to invite you to consider fasting. Can you say fasting? Now, listen, fasting is not a foreign word. Tons of people are fasting. Uh, scientists and doctors are saying that fasting is key to weight loss and sustaining it. It's key to unclogging the, the arteries and, and the vessels of our minds, the arteries of our heart, and the list goes on and on and on. I want to challenge you, though, to put it back in its original context and use fasting as, the, as, as another means of connecting with a God who loves you unconditionally and wants to connect with you. Fasting. You know, Jesus practiced fasting. He launched his ministry with 40 days of praying and fasting in the wilderness pushing back and winning the victory over temptation. That's one of the things that comes to us as we practice fasting spiritually. It teaches us how to win the victory over temptation. The heart of fasting is really expressed when the psalmist declares this, as the deer pants for water brooks, so pants my soul for thee, O God, my soul thirsts for you. When can I meet you? That's the heart of fasting. Now, in Jesus' day, fasting was built around food because every, all of life in that day was shaped around food. You planted it, harvested, ate it, sold it, shared it. You built family and community around it. But today, our lives are diversified. There are many things in our lives that stand at the very center, the things that we love and are passionate about. Come on, food, it's chocolate, it's coffee, it's social media, it's TV. If it's occupying a huge space of time in your life, it's something you're passionate about, I want to suggest to you that you fast it. Open up that space. Let your heart cry out for an encounter with God. Now, some of you listen to me, you say, well, I don't even know if I believe in God. Great! Join in our PF40 effort. Come on and pray and fast. And here's the focus of your fasting. God, if you're real, over the next 40 days, I want you to reveal yourself to me in concrete, undeniable ways. I'm tired of going back and forth thinking you are, thinking you're not. I want you to meet me in this season. I promise you, God will meet you. So the first habit that we're going to teach is meditatively reading Scripture. The second is, is fasting. And the third is prayer. And one of the things that you're going to learn as you walk through the next 40 days of reading the email I send day after day after day, engaging in the exercises that I'm building into the email, is that prayer is also diversified. That there's a lot of different ways to pray. Listen, when we pray, we use prayer to celebrate. 
wonderful accomplishments and things in life. This is what the psalmist meant when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he lists out all of the wonderful things that God was accomplishing in his life. Come on. Prayers can be used to confess. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 51. And when he says, have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your great compassion, according to your tender mercies, blot out of my transgressions. It is against you and you alone that I have sinned and done what is wrong in your sight. And surely we know that prayer is for petitioning, asking God to move and to heal and to do marvelous things. But do you know that prayer is also for reflection? This is what the psalmist does when he says, when I consider the stars, the moon, the heavens, I have to ask myself, what is humankind that you made us a little lower than the angel, that you would, that you would dare focus your love on us? Reflection. And as you go through the next 40 days, you'll discover that you can walk and pray and sit and pray. Come on now, you can write your prayers out. You know, I always tease my wife. She's a doctor. She has that doctor's handwriting, right? <laughs> and here's my point. I'll just say, listen, if God can read my wife's handwriting, he showed up can read yours. <laughs> Write your prayers out. For somebody else, you need, to, you need to utilize prayers that have already been written. During the next 40 days, I'm going to include in these exercises prayers that I'll write for you. All you have to do is engage and pray. And finally, do you know that you can sing your prayers? A lot of the Psalms in Scripture, uh, if you can read them in Hebrews, they are noted for music. If you go into a Jewish synagogue service, they're singing a lot of the songs. And we sing prayers. We just don't call it out. If you were in worship with us today, we sung a prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Mold me. Make me. Shape me after your will. That was a song we prayed. So you can just simply go to our app, go to the media section. In your prayer time, pull out a song that has at the heart of it a prayer. And you can sing along and sing your prayers. There it is. Come journey with me and the larger NBCC community. And we're joining uh, countless of Jesus followers all over the world who are engaged in this season. They call it Lent as we move towards the cross together, believing God for a greater encounter and a greater involvement. Listen, earthquakes, guys, are going off. Man, come on, shooting and violence. It looks like the world is falling apart. It doesn't even mention the stuff that's happening in our personal life. If there was ever a time that we need to believe God for greater, it's now. And so here's the last point I want to make. When you engage in fasting and prayer and scripture, you're reaching to connect your life to God's purpose. And here's the insight. Connect to God's purpose and don't worry. If somebody's sitting in the room next to you, just tell them, connect to God's purpose and don't worry. You know, Daniel 6, 4, here's what, here's what the writer says. Then the other administrators and high officers begin searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful and responsible and completely trustworthy. Listen, when you're connected to God's purposes in your life, 
You don't have to worry when people are lying on you and conspiring against you. You don't have to worry when people are setting traps for you. Come on, just stay connected to God's purpose. Daniel stayed connected to God's purpose. And then they concocted this law. He prayed, broke the law, and they threw him in the lion's den. Here we find a reminder that not all laws are just. You know, this is the last week of uh, African-American History uh, Month, and I'm thinking a little bit about Dr. King. And, and as they confronted the unjust segregated laws in the South, Dr. King would break those laws, and he and tens of thousands of folks would fill the jails. They would fill the jails and sit there, pay the consequence to expose the unjust injustice of the law. And here's a little quick insight. You know, at the end of the day, Dr. King told this, you know, there is a higher law than some of these people-made laws that are designed to manipulate and be political. Come on, there's a higher law, a moral law. He says, the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. There is some absolutes in eternity, and it begins with God. That's how we have a sense of what justice is. So Daniel did like Dr. King. He, he walked into the lines and did not put up a fight. He was going to trust God because he was connected to the purposes of God. The scripture tells us that uh, King, when he found out that, uh, that Daniel was gonna, had been entrapped and that he had been trapped into, into, into putting Daniel in this situation, he prayed all night. He fasted all night. The king did. And he ran to the to the den early the next morning. He said, Daniel, did your God rescue you? And here's what Daniel said. He answered, he said this, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that uh, it would not, they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in the sight of God. <laughs> and I've not wronged you, your majesty. I've been right. Oh, I, listen, I, as we close this out, I know this. You know, God intervenes. And if you know anything about history, I suspect you're thinking, well, you know, God intervened there for Daniel. But there were hundreds of Christians in early church history who were thrown to the lions, and God didn't intervene. How do we understand this distinction between God moving over here and not moving seemingly over here? I'll go back to the life of Dr. King just for a few moments. You know, after the bus, Montgomery bus boycott, he was stabbed. A woman stabbed him with a, with, a, with, a, with a paper opener. And the doctor says it came within an inch of his aorta. And had it punctured his aorta, he would have drowned in his own blood. What kept him alive? It was a God intervention. It was the grace of God between the blade and his aorta. And yet, in 1968, 10, 12 years later, after that stabbing, he's standing on the balcony of Lorraine Motel, and a fire, a gun is, a rifle is shot, and he falls, and he dies. Why did God save him earlier, but did not intervene here? We don't understand the answer to the mystery, but, but we know that if our lives are connected to the purposes of God, come on now, that at the end of the day, we're going to trust in God's overall purposes, and that at the end of the day, when we hide our lives in God, our legacy and our lives are not limited, come on now, to, to the days that we live on this planet. 
It is the eternal impact of our lives that's guaranteed by God. Dr. King died in 1968, but in 2023, his life is still changing the world. My, my, my. So just because God didn't never calls that fact to confuse you about what God can do. Keep the faith. Stay engaged with his purposes and trust him. Oh, amen, amen, and amen. All right, let me give you this invitation, a very solid, serious invitation. Join the PF440 journey. Right now, we're throwing up on the screen. You can go to our website, or you can go uh, to the app, and, and, and there you're going to find a button that says sign up. When you sign up, uh, that will sign you up to be a part of the PF40 journey, and we'll sign you up to start receiving an email starting March 1st, next Wednesday. And so I want to encourage you, take the next couple of days, think about what you're going to fast if you fast. Now listen, some of you may say, I want to participate, I don't want to fast. That's cool. You can participate at whatever level you want to. Just go ahead and sign up and be a part of this journey. And let's see what God does. I promise you, he will meet you along the way. I'll see you next week.